Welcome to the See It To Be It podcast. This holiday season, we're excited to bring you some of our favorite interviews from 2019. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single new episode of See It To Be It in 2020. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of On The Spot. I am your host, Melinda Garvey. And as always, I am so excited to bring you incredible, relatable role models every single week. And of course, every day we bring them to you with our daily four minute on the dot. So if you're not already signed up for that, you need to head over to onthedotwoman.com and make sure that you are plugged into that daily inspiration. And of course, here we have a much deeper conversation on On The Spot. And we are really excited today to welcome LaVisha Parker and she is a software engineer for Etsy and probably all of you know because it's such a super cool company. Etsy is a global online marketplace where people buy and sell goods from handmade jewelry to furniture and I'll say for myself I've bought so many things there so I'm excited to chat with you and just hear about what goes on in the inner workings of Etsy. So welcome LaVisha. Thank you so much. It's so nice to be here. So I love to just start out by going sort of way back, right? And you're very young, so it's not going to be that <laughs> back for you. But just when you were growing up, when you were a young girl, sort of what were your dreams and aspirations? You know, were you already on this sort of engineer STEM path or where were you and, and how did you get on this path? That's a great question. I think when I was super young, so elementary school, I knew that I enjoyed my science classes, but it wasn't until I was in middle school and I started watching a show called The Mythbusters that I realized that I thought science was just like the coolest thing in the world and I really needed to be part of it. So I actually researched probably in the sixth grade how to become a Mythbuster and I saw that one of them majored in mechanical engineering. And so from that point on, I said, okay, I have to be a mechanical engineer. That's my future. I'm going to find a way to be on the show. Uh, that didn't really happen. I went to college and I discovered that though I was in love with them and I really enjoyed computer science classes that I took as part of my engineering college curriculum, I did not enjoy physics classes at all, which are very important uh, for mechanical engineering. So I ended up switching to computer science I'm sort of serendipitously. If my college hadn't required computer science classes, then I probably wouldn't have ever thought to take them because I always envisioned a computer scientist or a programmer to be like a dude in his mom's basement with a neck beard who just like codes and hacks at night. Like I had no clue what a software engineer could look like. You didn't see anybody that looked like you? <laughs> Not vaguely. <laughs> Anyone who looked like me. Uh, and I see more people who look like me now, but I didn't at the time. So it didn't really strike me as something that was even a possibility in the world back then. But yeah, so in college, I switched to computer science and then I got an internship at Etsy and I've been here ever since. So about five years. Goodness, that's awesome. So how long have you been at Etsy? Five years. Five years. Wow. Good for you. You know, I think it's really interesting. I was actually in a meeting this morning and they were talking about not only how to encourage girls to get into STEM, but what they're finding is, is that even when girls say, okay, like you, you were very specific. Okay, I want to do this. I love science. And you found your path. But then when you didn't love that physics thing and you couldn't really see anybody like it, you sort of stumbled into the computer science. If they hadn't offered it, who knows what you'd be doing? You might be doing marketing. But what they were talking about is that even women who and, and young girls who start out and they're studying in STEM subjects and then they get into you know, a tech company, for example, 
and they look around and they don't see anybody like them and there's really nobody there to encourage them and they end up going into marketing or into something else that is a more traditional female role you know within a tech company and so it is interesting and that's why i think it's so important to have role models like you because you're really keeping you on that path so i'd love to just hear about you know what your experience was and you know were there people that really kept you on that path and helped you you know stay and feel comfortable Yes. So definitely within my engineering college, I had that, not so much to some extent in my major. I went to Cornell and the College of Engineering there has a diversity programs and engineering office. And I got to know the people who work there really well. And through thick and thin, they helped me if I had issues. Like my sophomore year, my computer completely crashed and my hard drive was corrupted before I had like four projects due. And I went to them freaking out and they helped me sort everything out. They helped me talk to my professors. They just helped me get through like stressful times. So without them, I think that I would have felt significantly more lost throughout the process of navigating higher education environment that feels super competitive. And I also lucked out and had some pretty incredible professors along the way who saw something in me and some took me under their wings, some gave me a job or I earned a job with them as a teaching assistant. And it was just a really wonderful experience. Those things I think needed to be placed along my path through college in order for me to have continued and finished out as a computer science major because anytime that I had trouble or anytime that I found myself feeling that I didn't really have a support group within my CS major, I was able to find that through a diversity program or through organic relationships I'd formed with professors. Well, and I kind of want to just point that out. You know, I love they talk about sort of having this support group and really finding those people and surrounding yourself with those people that will help you. And there's a new research study that just came out from the University of Notre Dame. It basically states what I've known for a really, really long time. But what they did is they interviewed all these women in, in top leadership positions, and they identified sort of this one common factor among all these women who had made it, if you will, you know, that are in those high positions. And they all had a close tribe of women surrounding them that were helping them, that were helping them move forward. And I talk a lot about building an ecosystem. And as women, we need to do that. And really what those women had, they had an old boys network, right? That's what men have done for years. Yes. And we need to hone in on that and find those relationships because it can make or break. I mean, if you hadn't had that, you might've gone a different path. I completely agree. And now I do, I have my lady tribe. I have two different groups of ladies that I talk to about everything in tech from leadership to code, any like bugs that I'm trying to debug, any questions I have about interpersonal relationships in the office, all of that. And it feels really good to have the soft place to go to, to talk to people who are super talented and that I can really look up to and know that they fully understand the things that I'm bringing to them. And I can understand what they're bringing to me in ways that people who might not share aspects of identities with us would be able to do. And what do you think are some of the biggest challenges that you face? I mean, not only as a woman engineer, but as a woman of color in an engineer, you know, how do you sort of overcome this? What are the big challenges for you? I think that the largest challenge for me uh, usually revolves around imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I've had for a decent amount of time. And I don't, I assume that it won't go away anytime soon, though I would no. love it. 
and I think that that feeling of imposter syndrome of maybe I shouldn't be here of maybe one day I'll wake up and everyone will realize that I don't know as much as they seem to think that I know. I'm not as worthy as they seem to think that I am. Those feelings come and go in waves. I think that that becomes the driver for me for my career because I keep pushing myself to prove my imposter syndrome wrong and doing bigger and better things. But it is totally possible that people who aren't women and aren't Black don't or do feel imposter syndrome as well. Many of them that I see don't seem to (laughs) from the confidence that they carry. And I do sometimes wonder, like, what could I do if I didn't feel this burden on me as someone who's different and who might be second guessing themselves in ways that others haven't been conditioned by society to do. So I think that that's sort of my biggest deal. And honestly, like, so I said, I've been at Etsy for five years. And part of the reason that I've been here for five years is because it's one of the first spaces revolving around tech that I've existed in where I feel that I can bring my full self with me to work. I don't have to change how I speak, how I act, how I think to be here. And the assumption is not that I'm a Black woman who needs to prove her right to be in the space. It's like, you're a smart engineer. And the fact that we hired you means that you're very intelligent and we just trust you to know what you're doing. And I have heard horror stories from other friends (laughs) at other places that that's not always the case. And even existing in the tech space in New York City, you have to be very selective about what spaces you allow yourself to be in to not encounter those people who say like, oh yeah, but you probably just went to your college because you're a Black woman who wants to do STEM or like you probably just got your job because they needed to fill some diversity quota and not have those like triggers to imposter syndrome come back up. Well, and I think that, you know, imposter syndrome goes hand in hand with, you know, another way that that it's articulated is this confidence gap that women have. And I've really kind of drilled down on this a lot and think that so much of this really goes right back around to this scarcity mindset. When you don't see there are 10 engineering positions and, you know, nine of them, you know, are filled by men and one by a woman, you don't look at it and go, oh, I've got 10 shots. You think, oh, I have one shot and I've got to knock her out of the way. (laughs) Right. I mean, I think that mindset and that confidence gap where we don't look at it and go, oh, well, there are 10 positions, I got 10 shots. I think that that's really building this ecosystem with women and being able to see those other role models is really going to help close that confidence gap. And I think that's where that imposter syndrome, although it may not go away per se, but it stays in the background. It's not holding you back. So I think that's super important. And you do some cool things. I read that you are doing some software projects for social good through CodeCorp. Oh, yes. I love what you had to say just about, you know, just wanting to solve problems for entrepreneur and kind of giving back. So I love for you just to talk about why that's important for you to do something sort of even outside your normal scope of your very busy life, I'm sure. Yeah. So in the past, I did a few small things with CodeCorp and that all came out of the 2016 election because after that, I sort of felt compelled to dedicate what I consider to be my most valuable skill, which is programming, to whatever space I thought needed it most. So I found CodeCore through something called the Progressive Coders Network. And from there, I ended up joining up with some other really talented people to form a group called Progressive Hack Night, where we create a space within the city. So we're based in New York City and Manhattan. And we bring in open source projects in the progressive space and get programmers and designers and product managers to come in and help work on those projects pro bono. I don't write any code for that. I more exist as a liaison between 
programmers and nonprofits that need help from programmers and designers and stuff. I found that that's a way that I really enjoy working outside of work because though I thoroughly enjoy my job, it's still a job and it's not necessarily what I want all of my time to be consumed doing. I also want to feel like I'm leaving the world in a better place than I came to it with everything that I do. So yeah, the Progressive Coders Network has been wonderful experience to be part of and Progressive Hack Night has also been really lovely as a space to feel that I am using tech for good. And I think that that's sort of hard to do today, increasingly hard to do to use tech only for the benefit of the humans around us and not just for financial gain. But yeah, it makes me feel good that I'm able to do that. Speaking of tech, you know, when you're in tech, you know, you're often behind a computer, right? Coding and doing things. I'd love for you to just kind of talk about, you know, how you lead sort of face-to-face in front of the computer. You know, what are those things that you're doing to really lead your team and get out from behind the screen? (laughs) That's a great question. Uh, I think that leading a team in person versus going through purely digital interactions is a little different because I love that you're able to build more personal relationships with your team that way and you can gain a better fleshed out perception of the folks that you're working with mostly in like the organic moments with them as co-workers between meetings and more formal work structures. And I think that that leads then to better work relationships that make leading the team a bit easier because you know the people that you're working with as humans and people first and as co-workers second. And that helps build empathy towards one another. So the people that I lead as a technical lead know that I'm Visha, a human who cares about them and cares about their work-life balance and cares about all of these different things. In addition to caring that we're hitting all of our targets and we're getting the project down on time and that it's technically correct and that we feel really strongly about the architecture we've chosen and the correctness of our solution. And I believe that that breeding of empathy between everyone and trust between everyone just creates a nice space to work within. You should enjoy the people that you have to talk to every day. And I think that that face-to-face interaction helps make that a more organic bonding or relationship-forming experience. And I think it's super important. I mean, in this day and age when we're working remotely and we have things like Slack where we communicate and I think it does get harder and harder. But I think at the end of the day, nothing can replace that face-to-face and even you know, which everybody is just hearing the audio, but we're actually on a video call. So we get to see each other. And part of the reason why I like to do that is because just the expressions on people's face, there's so much more that you get from that. So I think that, you know, being a leader and figuring out how to balance that in a tech world is, you know, a really interesting challenge for you, for sure. Well, you're speaking at the IEEE conference this month. So first of all, tell us what that conference is. And that's pretty exciting. What are you speaking about? And why is that important? Yes. So the IEEE conference this month is the Women in Engineering Leadership Conference. And it's bringing a bunch of women together to discuss and learn from each other about leadership and engineering tips and tricks, um, what different people have learned from that. And my experience with it thus far has been pretty wonderful. And so I'm speaking as part of the virtual track for that this month. And my talk is on building more resilient teams as a technical lead. So basically taking into account that as a technical lead, you exist in this weird nebulous space between being an engineering manager, sort of a project manager and an engineer. It's important that 
you are able to serve as glue in some ways to keep your team running as you expect it to run because so much can go wrong in the process of creating some new feature or working on a new project. And through the past few projects that I've worked on, I found a few things that like I think really helped make my projects go better. So I decided I would like to share those with people and I did. And so um, I spoke on the virtual track and there's a recording of my talk out now on the IEEE Women in Leadership Conference website. Oh, very cool. So anybody can download it and listen to it? Yes. That's awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you for that. What do you think that are some things that we just, you know, as women in general need to be doing to encourage more women to get into STEM and more young girls to get into STEM? That's a great question. I think, well, in STEM and in tech in specific to note to women is it's okay if this is something that you want to get into either because you just naturally really love the subject and you're really great at it in middle school and high school and you want to continue doing this thing that you're passionate about. It's also totally great if you say, I don't like the socioeconomic place that I have in the world right now, and I want to be able to support myself in the future, and STEM and tech will allow me to do that, so I'm going to do this so I can live a comfortable life for the rest of my life. And I think that a lot of what I see today around STEM and tech is saying, like, girls are really interested in science and math when they're younger, and we need to encourage that. And I agree. I think that by the time you're in middle and high school, I think that there was a study that most girls consider themselves either bad at math and science or believe that it's something that isn't cool and that they shouldn't be interested in it. I honestly don't know how to change that perception, but I do also know that some girls, even if science and technology isn't their favorite thing in the world, could also really benefit from the financial weight that can be lifted by doing something in STEM, which is a very real thing. So even just informing people of that, like I do some volunteer work with high schoolers that are in the New York City area, mostly around Brooklyn, and just letting them know like, hey, you're going to be really comfortable if you go through college and you study really hard and you learn a lot about computer science. Once you graduate, you're going to live a really good life. Just seeing that as something that's like a realistic thing that they can hold on to as motivation to get through what I think is actually very difficult subject matter is really nice to see. And I, I like providing folks and especially girls with that realistic view into what STEM can be and what it can do for them. I actually really love that. I think that, you know, you don't hear that talked about very much. And I think as women, we don't talk about money as much and making a living and providing and being the breadwinners, you know, I think still that somehow is a taboo subject. So I love the way that you talk about that openly. And I think you're right. You know, it's like really understanding, like this is a game changer in a lot of ways, you know, you certainly want to do something you're good at and, and you have some passion for, but there's nothing wrong with wanting to make money and to provide for your family. And quite frankly, when women make money, we put it back into our community and everybody thrives, right? You know, we're educating our children and we're putting back in a nonprofit. So everybody wins when women make money. So I I love that. (laughs) As we kind of close up today, is there a piece of advice that you always like to share that maybe somebody gave to you at one time that you always live by? So what's that go to for you? So this advice, which I try to live my life by actually has very little to do with tech, but I'll be able to draw it back to tech, I suppose. So something that I read that I firmly believe in is 
the way that you spend your money is the same thing as how you cast your vote, which I know sounds weird. <laughs> so to, to abstract that into um, something related to tech, I think the way that you're spending your time and what you're dedicating your time writing code for, or just even if you're not an engineer, what you're spending your time doing should map to what you believe in. If you're doing work that you think doesn't make the world better or that you are not proud of, then you should take into account your beliefs and think about how you might be able to instead use your skills towards something that really jazzes you about how you can change the world or really, really excites you about what you can see becoming a reality in the future that you really want to see. So yeah, I suppose if time is money, then I can say spend your time towards what you find most important and the rest will follow. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Lavesha, I really appreciate you spending time with us and just sharing so openly. And, you know, we will certainly be watching you and everybody, of course, I'm sure knows Etsy and has, I bought so many things on Etsy. I love it. So what a fun place to be able to work. Of course, the problem is I'd be shopping all the time, you know, (laughs) anyway. And of course, if anybody wants to check out your talk that you gave the IEEE conference, they can find you there. And we just look forward to uh, connecting you more and see what you do next. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the See It To Be It podcast. For more female empowerment, inspiration, and advice, subscribe to our free weekly newsletter featuring a new woman to watch each week. And check out over a thousand more featured women at onthedotwoman.com. Know someone we need to feature? Reach out at onthedotwoman on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.